Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Stacey. And this is the Body Smart Podcast. And today we have with us the one and only Martin McDonald, CEO and founder of the Mac Nutrition Collective, which promotes evidence-based nutrition, education, mentoring and consultancy. So amazing to have you here yes, today. thank you very much for having me. So Martin, one of the things that we really wanted to get your take on was how to tackle a big weight loss goal. Because we often have a lot of clients who join us with 50, 60, 70 pounds to lose. Yeah. And that like slow and steady approach can then feel like, blimey, that is going to be a long old slog. Mm. Um, I know you've got some thoughts on other ways to tackle it. So yeah. tell us what you think. <clears throat> yeah, so since, since about 2015, I've been uh, trying to help the the sort of personal training nutrition industry have another tool in their toolbox so that the, there's this mindset around slow and steady is the best thing for sustainability it's the best thing for everyone um anything that's slightly more aggressive or fast will automatically lead to xyz mm. and when i've presented on this it, it first came about actually because i was presenting to a really big audience of pretty well-versed evidence-based personal trainers and normally i could walk into a room and do a do a presentation and blow people's mind by going carbs don't make you fat and then it's like oh my goodness this, that's amazing you've yeah if i said that to them they're like yeah we know we've seen you know we've listened to your podcast whatever <clears throat> and so i thought what's I, I went actually looked at um some of the questions that they were asking and because and, they're all part of this big contingent and i just saw this common theme of of almost people scaremongering about eat, the whole eating too little and you know eating too little will damage your metabolism there, there's a whole metabolic damage mm. thing i don't know mm -hmm. if you saw that yeah. big thing of like you will damage your metabolism for life and essentially the research does not support any of these contentions that that um rapid fat loss is uniquely uh, bad so uh, what i will essentially say is like provide me lots of different um things of why you think dieting in a, in a greater calorie deficit would be a negative thing so you get people saying well you'll be more hungry so you'll binge or uh, be more hungry then another one might be it'll ruin your relationship with food so you, you'll end up with binging tendencies or you'll have low energy or your social life will be impacted etc 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 and then i'll say which of these things is, is is unique to a larger calorie deficit none of them and what's actually the case is and then i essentially put up <clears throat> data from lots and lots and lots of studies comparing moderate calorie deficits to maybe larger to very very so so within the research is something called a, a very low energy diet and we're talking 400 calories a day Wow. in someone who weighs 80 to 100 kilograms or, or more. Mm -hmm. it, we're talking something that's absolutely um, the antithesis of what the fitness industry would, would ever tell you. And I will say at this point, I am not recommending anyone to do this um, necessarily. But what I'm saying is, hopefully, when and, and what I will say is, these studies, what they show is people doing this very, very low energy diet report lower hunger than those on the moderate energy restricted diet uh, another thing that people say is well you'll regain all of the weight you'll rebound faster you'll you'll gain it all back and then we then they do these studies you know three months six months 12 months follow-up two years follow-up three years follow-up like in the nutrition research you will know that is a freaking long yeah, follow-up like that that's is. impressive mm -hmm. a lot of money and time and <clears throat> has gone into that and we look at the the percentage of um i'm trying to think of one of the really good studies on this hmm. i mean Endiment study. a big one on that is is the i think it comes down to the individual doesn't it you know in that sense because yeah. for some people if they've chronically had and this is typically what we would say we see with our mm -hmm. clients is that they they will go on a diet <clears throat> They will go into that's actually typically quite aggressive in mm -hmm. terms of like a fad or something mm -hmm. that they've tried. Yeah. They will maybe be able to adhere to that process for two to three weeks. Um, their willpower will eventually give in. Um, and they will feel like I cannot keep this up even to hit my weight loss goal, never mind sustain afterwards. Yeah. They re revert back to old heating habits and, and behaviors <clears throat> and the weight comes back on and off them more. 
So like that, that typically like makes it not sustainable for them. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> you, you know, you can definitely have people who have maybe got a healthier relationship with food. Um, maybe I've got a, a already more <clears throat> of an output in terms of their calorie expenditure. You can put them in a, a much a massive calorie deficit, and if it's framed as a season and something that you can go quite aggressive at, and people understand that and manage that expectation, like yeah, you you can definitely go into it and see faster results. I just with at least I'd say our clientele, it's not typically something that works very well. Mm. Yeah, yeah it, I almost wish I had um like a pen and paper next to me here to make some notes because you've touched on so many good things like just mm. like every every little bit of that there's like five important key points that you've 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 highlighted there in terms of um someone's so going back to that thing of um where people what they think is wrong with aggressive diets is Typically, we think of these fads. We think of these MLM companies that are mm. selling these sort of ridiculous overpriced whatever shakes, have the shakes instead of food, etc. And and as the evidence-based or people who, who aren't just out to make money from people and want to genuinely help them, we see that and go, we definitely don't want to be those people. So what should we do that's different? Are we going to help people just with their habits and maybe a more moderate calorie deficit? So th there's this thing of like people jumping into a fad and not intelligently and then just rebounding and that sort of stuff. Then the next thing that you said was about the whole like relationship with food. It's such a big factor of, for me, so one of the fantastic things about, for instance, working with a company, coaching company like yours is you, you, you almost prepare people um, to maybe one day do something like this because you will be in, instilling these like good habits because really that's that's where the world fails if diets do not fail like i hate this bullshit about 95 percent of diets to fail that's not evidence-based i said this really nicely on someone's post recently they're like one of these social justice type people oh we can all please tell me if i mispronoun you and, and oh yeah thank you for telling me oh yes blah, blah, blah. you know it's just like this real like thank you for the correction i will make sure that in future i won't use that ableist terminology you know it's just like yeah. and i go in with a, with evidence-based factual peer-reviewed reference non-bullshit and say you've said this actually here's some data and it was just literally just this bitchy back chatting of just like well actually i said this from um yoni friedhoff's blah, blah, blah. and i was like actually this is what he says i know him well this is the research so this 95 percent of diets fail is rubbish but um we get this situation of if you can um have the exit plan have the lifestyle if someone just doesn't have the habits to keep the weight off maintain the weight loss beforehand there is absolutely no point almost in starting but if they can learn those like mm -hmm. like on this more moderate approach improving their relationship with food because there's no point really in getting to your end goal unless you've learned that so sometimes that's why it's such a positive thing to do things more moderately because mm. you just need that longer time you know you were saying about it can be a bit like let, let's say someone's like half to one pound a week one pound a week they need to 70 pounds it's like guess what you've got a year and a half of dieting it's like what you know yeah. they go i'm going to do a 12-week plan yeah. it's like cool yeah you're like yeah. a fifth less than a fifth a sixth of the way there but actually you need that time to re-establish your lifestyle yeah. your habits what food you buy when you go shopping yeah. like yeah, how you integrate exercise into your life on a daily basis that's not going to shift in 12 weeks no exactly so that, that thing of what you're saying there. One of the things I will say is, um, unless someone is investing in um, kind of improving their relationship with food. So for instance, I, I think we're very much on the same page of this, you mentioned flexible dieting and it felt like from a very positive thing. And I'm just so the same of, for me, that was such a good thing that happened which obviously was yeah. taken to extremes and ruined as, by as some things people. always yeah. are. Yeah. But it's such a positive message that it ties in with loads of, um, you know, if we're trying to not give people disordered habits and, and poor relationship with food that, that are really, really, really bad. Um, like as much as it can seem airy fairy to just go, so what if someone's a bit anal about the way they eat? So what if, you know, someone has a poor relationship with food? It's like eating disorders, like, I think this is factual. I'm almost certain. We got salmon. Yeah. We're going to check it. <laughs> but have the highest risk of, of death 
of any mental health it's illness. Re- it's really bad. It is mm. really, really bad. So yeah. you're not, it's not in a, this like, if you're putting someone on a diet and you're telling them, don't eat this, don't eat that. Mm. Um, you're messing with stuff you don't understand, yeah. aren't you? Yeah. The the um, carnivore MD guy who, who just ha- seems to hate porridge oats. Mm. Um, <laughs> I can't remember who highlighted this, but essentially they had someone who had been anorexic, essentially death's door, like, you know, a, a really horrible illness. Is, it, I mean, lots of people know somebody who's gone through it. Had started to have some porridge, and saw his video and stopped refused stopped eating. Yeah, like that. Like he sh- like he should be held accountable for something mm. so. Like I'm not someone who ever wants to like get rid of sort of free speech, but it's just like he, he's a well. There needs to like, sometimes yeah. in, in senses like that. There needs to be accountability because yeah, yeah it's. You're demonizing something yeah. that, yes, for some people, like if they want to live the type of lifestyle that he does, great. Mm. But like for other you people, live your like, own life. Yeah, yeah, like like for a lot of people, like eating oats and some fruit is a damn sight better than eating a bowl of like, you know, something full of cocoa pops or something. You yeah. know what I mean? And so, which most people are having for breakfast. It's a ton of milk, ton of sugar, yeah. and then you know probably getting hungry again about two hours later versus yeah. a bowl of porridge, some fruit, like much better option. Yeah. So this this thing of uh, people's relationship with food, flexible dieting, um, you know, getting to this place of, uh, uh, so I use this term, unconditional permission to eat quite often. And it's something that I've, I've done episodes on my podcast about this relating to, for instance, aggressive dieting. So it sounds crazy to go. So I typically where my, I created an aggressive dieting calculator and typically people end up in a region of around, maybe 800 to 1200 calories roughly and it uses your sort of current body fat percentage uh, there's something called um you the um rate of um presentation of substrate to the body that you can essentially use so your amount of body fat actually dictates how much body fat you can lose so if you have a high level of body fat you can through lipolysis breaking that fat down present it to the body um, into the bloodstream, there is there is a limit to that rate. If you eat zero calories, you some some people cannot lose fat any faster because their body cannot break down fat and present it to be burnt at a fast enough rate. So this calculator essentially works that out for you. <clears throat> and as in to work out the max the maximum your fat maximum loss fat loss you, rate you have yeah. <clears throat> and um, so if you're lean, that number goes or not even necessarily lean, just kind of mid-range, that number, you no know, fasting you, and what happens then is you just start losing all lean body mass because then you can, Fuck. your fat's maxed yeah. out, so then we're now taking from lean sources. But someone who has a lot of body fat, which typically if they need to lose, say, 70 pounds, they might have, <clears throat> they can go much lower. They'll have less of the negative effects. And... Um, but I talk about this unconditional permission to eat and it isn't just flexible dieting for me it isn't just this thing of like oh you can eat some ice cream within your calories flexible dieting for me is flexibility in every realm and facet of what you're doing so I typically hate deadlines and I'm not I'm not hating on anyone who gets clients to go do photo shoots or pick a date and, and set goals but it, it's an external added you know extrinsic pressure on them and through all the fitness competitors, photo shoots, bodybuilding, where where eating disorders and 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 body image issues and just are absolutely rife. There's this external pressure of you have a date. If things aren't progressing at the rate that they need to, you start to tighten. You know, even if the wheels are falling yeah. off, you still either you know whatever the analogy, put your foot on the gas pedal more or just tighten those you know um, screws a little bit harder to get that progress. And there's less of a social life. There's less of a dietary variety. Whereas if you can have this fully flexible approach where you go unconditional permission, not just to eat any food you want, but unconditional permission to adjust your calorie deficit back to maintenance that day. Um, You know, we're talking about, I sort of mentioned menstrual cycle earlier, but obviously the the hungry week um, where metabolic rate changes, appetite changes, cravings change, if you have unconditional permission to go to maintenance just during that week, like imagine you're in a, you know, you're burning 500, you're, you're in a thousand calorie deficit roughly, which is not by any realms, I don't think aggressive. You add in a thousand calories back to maintenance that week. Like how much better? And people go, 
oh, but it's going to take me forever to get to my goal. And it's like, well, what normally happens during that week? Well, I go off plan. I do this, that, and the other. I gain weight. I do this, that. It's like, so all I'm asking you to do is just get to your goal <laughs> 25, yeah, 25% <laughs> slower because you actually then hit the ground running harder the next week. So this thing of flexible dieting, it's like if you can have flexibility in the end goal, the rate of fat loss, um, you use the word season, you know, like seeing certain calorie deficits as a season. I'm just going to do this for two weeks. I'm going to eat 800 calories for two weeks. If the other thing is doing it with someone who's coaching you, accountability, right, makes accountability. Huge, yeah, of course, it makes yeah. a huge, huge difference in terms of just being able to adhere to the process because yeah. that can feel quite aggressive for, for some people in the sense of they might find some changes in you know just physiologically how they're feeling maybe psychologically and your coach just be like that's normal it's okay like mm. you are just doing it for, for two weeks in that yeah. sense um and would it be that, sorry would it be something yeah. that you would recommend for someone who's quite lean to still take that approach because i know you said it, the rate that you can lose fat is yeah, lower so say for example i've got a holiday in three weeks yeah. i have my approach <laughs> is your approach well i can have a bit more today i've got three weeks and it's not like i've got loads to lose it's fine yeah. Um, but if I was to go on an aggressive diet, mm. would that feel significantly harder than someone who had 70 pounds to lose then? I, I feel like the answer is it depends. <laughs> well, yeah, the, the, it's not necessarily the feeling of how hard it is. It's just how much fat you're going to lose. Because if, we, if you want to put numbers into it, let's say your total daily energy expenditure is I'm trying to do some real quick math so I end up on a nice number for people. But let's say your total daily energy expenditure is 2,500. And so that's your BMR plus your daily activity plus any little bits of exercise you do around that level. And you eat um, 1,000 calories a day. Uh, you are in a 1,500 calorie deficit. And you over a period of five days, roughly speaking, energy balance and, and what we understand from the energetics of, of adipose tissue and stuff, you're going to lose about a kilogram of fat um, by doing so. So five times 1,500 is 7,500. So it's about like the 7,700 calories in a pound of uh, a kilogram of adipose tissue. So you go that. Then let's let's say your body fat percentage is 15% body fat. The There's a paper by um, Alpert um, et al. And they essentially looked at this um, rate of fat loss. They looked at this, you know, rate that we could uh, go through lipolysis, the presentation of the fat, the stuff I, I discussed a minute ago. And the numbers that they came out with, I've kind of, uh, because they did an update paper and said, oh, we, we got this part of our equation wrong. And then they've also don't take into account stuff like you're probably consuming some caffeine and other stuff that might change things. So what I, what I tend to say is uh, divide your, your body fat percentage by about 15, it's somewhere between 13 and 20. We're going to use 15 for this equation. Um, so that's one, 15 divided by 15, one, nice maths. So what that gives you is 1% of your body weight per week is the amount of fat that you'd probably be able to lose. So do you mind saying, or we just go say, say, say you weigh like 60 kilos, so a listener, 60 kilos. If they, they are 15% at 60 kilos, they can lose 1% of their body weight. Now, it's annoying. No one likes percentages. <laughs> we just move the decimal point two places that way. So 600 grams, 0.6 of a kilogram. Um, so they can lose 600 grams of body fat a week. So the scenario I just gave you where you were eating 1,000 calories a day Was, and you were losing a kilogram. Yeah that means that can't happen for you. Got you. So straight away, an aggressive diet for you doing that wouldn't work. You'd start taking things from lean body mass areas. So that worked out really well. No I hope everyone's point. impressed listening to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in that situation, there would be no point in me eating 1,000 calories. No. Yes and no. And I love that you're asking this question, right? Because I do the same. Because of what aggressive diets do, and that is 
massively switch off hunger. So I would much rather diet aggressively than do a smaller calorie deficit simply because it just switches my hunger off. How, so what, how, how does that work? And how long do you like typically? I've, I mm. don't know if I've read something about you doing this like a couple of years ago. I've done I, it about four times now, yeah. So four years ago I went away and I was like, two weeks when I get really lean. Mm. I want to get like a bit shredded for this yeah, holiday. Yeah. Um, so I put myself in like a 2,000 calorie a day. Wow, deficit. cool, yeah. yeah. yeah and I'll it was like, same. yeah, it's, it's sucked for like a day and then I got used to it and it was you know it was one of them but I got very lean very fast but that's nice. like 2,000 calories a day which let's just remind everyone women generally don't have that much to play with yeah like it's, I that's another thing yeah, yeah they, they don't yeah because yeah. like yeah. my especially if you're active versus inactive like yeah. loads of our clients were like, well I, I done two my maintenance is maybe like 3,200 so not only mm. did I like um I dialed up my activity I also mm. dialed back the calories so I'd, I'd done both things but like in my mind as we're talking about seasons I was like it's only two weeks two weeks yeah. and I also always do this thing before a holiday where I'll I'll stop a day before, so I'll eat back at maintenance nice. because otherwise I just know I'll be like oh, I'm on holiday and then yeah. just eat 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 yeah. and like I can maybe rebound a little bit so uh, maybe the day or the two days before I'll be at maintenance but that and that did work but mm. it was two weeks yeah I, like I was about to say yeah. like, how long have you typically done it for have you seen people do it for because it is yeah well so it's when you present this data it's crazy right there's this this study uh, damn it I can't remember the author but it's if you type in like Mister A B into the internet he or if you type in 385 day fast i've seen this yeah yeah, yeah. so i present this study all the time because it is crazy because when people go if you skip breakfast your body will go into starvation mode and you won't lose mm. fat and it's like this guy skipped breakfast for a year <laughs> and every other meal and he went from i'm sorry and every other meal yes. what he didn't eat he anything ate nothing. No, he ate nothing for like stop a, over it. a year I think, stop right? it unbelievable what right? did it what so he went... How are you going to have to expand now? Yeah. What? So it's the, such a cool study that just shows it's absolute crap. Um, there you go. In 1973, Dennis Gayla Goodwin went on a hunger strike for 385 days. Uh, no, maybe, no, not this. No? So, um, well, it could be 382 days. Um, if you go... Uh, yeah, here you go, Angus. Yeah, there you go. Mr. AB. So he went from about... Yeah, there you go. 125 kilograms, so about 87, was he, afterwards? Uh, okay, so it was in 1965, 27-year-old Angus really did fast for one year and 17 yeah. days. He ate no food at all and lost 125 wow. kilograms. Yeah. Wow. Angus was reportedly sick of being obese and So it was under in, medical wow. supervision, which is important mm -hmm. for us to say. Yeah, checked into and, the University Department of Medicine. Yeah, and essentially a, a few times, like, th this, this is serious... Uh, and, you know, a couple of times this had some quite negative effects on his health and they had to do some, uh, I think it's potassium, which is obviously really important for your heart, um, got real messed up and they did some stuff to help him out. But just what this shows you is, one, it's possible. Two, do you think this this guy is like, uh, th there's a term called weight weight loss resistant females in the research, which typically means people who don't know how many calories they're eating that's mm. it's nothing it's not physiological it's a term they're weight loss resistant and then they do things to them like put them in a metabolic ward with other people who are not weight loss resistant and they do tests on them and they give them the amount of food and everyone ends up using losing exactly the same amount of weight wow proving yeah. that it's not it's mm. psychological it's something you know and it, you know people it's not nice to hear and i love it the podcast for this podcasts for this reason because you're not having to tell a client that they're a liar. You're not that they're lying to themselves, mm -hmm. that they don't understand something. Because that's a difficult conversation. It doesn't feel kind. But I've had so many people go, you know what, you woke me up to my own bullshit. I was making excuses. I was doing yep. it five days, but not seven, etc. Um, but but this whole thing of like, oh, I think I'm eating too few calories to lose weight. Well, Mr. AB ate zero calories. Like, it's not yeah. a thing. You can't eat too little to lose, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, that, you've probably just blown my mind today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good. I love well, it. That's so always my goal. <laughs> I actually met um, a yogi one time who told me she was an airy, oh, airitarian or something. Airitarian, yeah, airitarian or something. Airitarian. I just survive off air, and I was like, mm, "That's yeah. that's not true, is yeah. it?" But I mean, but, maybe but there was because you will end up. This is the other thing. You'll end up dying. 
Like well, it's not, it's starvation. But he had a hundred and whatever it was, 25 kilograms to lose. Like he got to a normal weight and he started eating food again. So the argument on this sometimes is, well, won't I become malnourished? Mm, yeah. So, you know, like if I'm mm. eating 400 calories a day or 800 yeah. calories yeah. a day, am I going to become more malnourished? Am I going to lose my period? Am mm. I going to have other parts of my body shut down? Yeah. Because your body technically, even though people don't, is like, it is looking to reserve energy and yes. survive. Yes, the starvation response. Yeah. yeah. That, and that is a good factor for us to to um, discuss as well in all of this. So, you know, you've asked how, how long I did it and then I often mentioned Mr. AB there. But so... <laughs> It depends on uh, how much you've got to lose. People always say to me, how long can I do this for? Well, with uh, the fortunate invention of vitamins and minerals, we can ensure that we're not going to get deficient in anything that's really super important. We can obviously take a fish oil if we're not eating fish just to ensure that little bit of EPA, DHA. We can um, ensure that we get good dietary fiber variety from very low calorie sources we're not you know eating 800 calories of white bread or yeah. you know yeah. we typically are picking mm. uh muscle loss we can protect by ensuring that actually so so from another area of the research is pro the, the research into protein sparing modified fasts so these are typically done maybe before um certain surgeries that typically like oh to defatten the liver you know it makes surgery a bit more safe and essentially you're trying to preserve muscle tissue whilst um, losing as much weight in as a little as much fat in as little time as possible. So that's that this is where my calculator was telling people to go towards this like protein sparing modified fast region, but uh, but appropriate to actually how much fat they can lose. I'm gonna release a new one soon, which coming back to your point, is it pointless or is it not useful i still do it because although i understand that i'm losing some lean body mass lean body mass does not equate to um muscle tissue necessarily so your myofibrillar proteins that could simply be like muscle glycogen so we've got a few thousand calories worth of muscle glycogen um when we lose that glycogen we also lose quite a lot of water so the scales also go mm. down which can feel kind of motivating as well um all that my new calculator is supposed to do is to help people like me because if i just did my calorie deficit for how lean i am i end up in a region where i'm really friggin hungry and i hate it and it sucks like even a 500 calorie deficit for me sucks because i'm like it just removes like i'm dieting i'm a bit hungry i can't have an uh, uh, you know a couple of bags of sweets or whatever i want to have versus and also i'm going to be doing it you know, two to three to four to five times as long. But also these aggressive deficit, they, for a, a number of potential reasons, are switching off hunger, whether that's um, keto ketosis, whether that's something to do with, um, I've got some theories around why it might be, there's some research around uh, your duodenal opening and, and that leading to some of your appetite hormones being released. But that's kind of irrelevant. It does it. And it's it's super, super consistent in the research. It's not like, or for some people it might work. Like it's almost everyone. It's almost unequivocal. Um, so so hunger switches off. So for me, I'm like one to four weeks. I think my longest ever was 35 days. Um, and and what sort of calories are we talking there? Like, like what's, your, what's your normal and what do you... So probably my maintenance is like um, three to three and a half. Yeah, mm. 3,000 to 3,500 maybe. Um, or, well, or... My, a bit lower normally because sometimes I'll only do like 800 steps a day because I'm so lazy. Um, and, but like, obviously, all, when I'm just, all the women that are hating you. Yeah. Like, like I you know. do 800 steps and get three and a half thousand calories. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, there is so <laughs> yeah. many reasons to hate me in terms of, um, <laughs> I, yeah. like I can be 23% body fat and still have a six pack because of where I store my fat. Yeah. I have no appetite. Like in, in general, I have a very low appetite. When I get stressed, I don't stress eat. I stress don't eat. So like, yeah. I have all these mm -hmm. like annoying, you know, like you said, I don't need to sleep. Like another reason to hate me. Uh, but anyway. No hangovers. Yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. hangovers. Like, yeah, the list is growing. I get when people hate me. I have no, uh, no upset if people are like, you yeah, No, not at all. Yeah, sure. So, um, but I think that some people go walk around like arrogant with some of these things. Like mm. I've got a six pack. It's like, mate, you're 20 years old. You have no job, no family, no children to look after. Like it's not impressive having a six pack. Uh, you know, it's like 
but I'm very much, uh, I, I get these things and it's not because I'm great. I, I've been dealt a good hand of cards and I'm, I feel privileged and I'm not going to be a douchebag about it. It's good that, um, it's good that you can even say that because a lot of people will be like, well, I look this way or I have And this. if I can do it with yeah. kids and a job and a business, yeah. then you can. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We've all got the same 24 hours in a day. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> The the reason I so going back to your thing in three weeks because I know you're going to end up using this you you need to do some refeeds so you will be losing some muscle glycogen and therefore you might need to do a day of a refeed with just very you know predominantly carbohydrate keep protein the same keep fats very low restore those levels and then you know because you can continue your weight training and stuff like that I typically do say if anyone ever does try this it's you also can't be doing your CrossFit, your classes, your spin classes. Like you're not eating any calories. Yeah. And your hunger will switch off and you will make progress. Be like I'm sure you guys teach this. Like exercise is not a great tool for weight loss. Um, we can we can increase um, our uh, activity levels like you were saying earlier, but it's not like diet is such a powerful factor. It's like how many calories can you burn like doing a spin class? Um, and some people talk about, should I eat the calories back? And I know there's back, back and forth on these things. But eating is is uh you know energy in is this massive factor that just uh, plays a role so in your instance would be like i would and this is what i do before every situation where i'm going to take my top off is uh, uh aggressive diet do these refeeds but simply because it's just so much easier like i get into a mindset I, I give myself unconditional permission to eat you know like you that's a great thing that you said about stopping the day before yeah. going back to maintenance sort of eating those things but even then i often do this before these uh all-inclusive holidays but because during my whole it's a mindset thing and this is why i talk mm. about the habits i haven't got a food which has power over me um there isn't a food where it's like i can't have that and then when i have it or i feel stressed or i have an argument with a partner or anything like mm. that i suddenly want to comfort myself with that food if you have those foods you're destined to fail any diet process ever. You need to get away from there being some food that is bad, that is, is naughty, it's special. Because yeah. we all want what we can't have. But I think that's where if you're going into an aggressive diet and you maybe haven't, you know, realized that you've maybe got some issues with food mm. that you need to address some emotional eating or some problems with food, that aggressive diet then can possibly physiologically make you lean into that food more mm. and then we sometimes have just seen that can create that cycle of like restrict and binge like aggressive diet 500 calories 500 calories 500 calories five bags of m&ms mm. and three pizzas and just like oh, and, and then it, guilt yeah. and shame and frustration and, then, and yeah. i must try harder and, then, oh, and go again and then repeat yeah. again you know yeah, so yeah. it's but like i am um, I, th I think that's why it's always like and people hate this answer. It depends. Yeah, yeah. it does. <laughs> like it, and that's why it's nice yeah. to have someone coaching you to to kind of talk through why are we doing this? Like you can pick up as a coach, is someone trying to hate themselves into change? Like yeah. it's not going to improve your happiness. Like it's not going to um, change these sort of deep rooted feelings. Like weight loss being a certain weight doesn't automatically change these things. So it's like we need to be doing it for the right reason. And, and likewise, not just doing it because it's the easy option oh i'm gonna do this crazy thing you know fad or whatever because it's the easy option because that other stuff is like you have to get comfortable doing the boring overall habits of you know your vegetables your mostly unprocessed foods etc if you can do that and that's your day-to-day -day and that's your default like my default on holiday on an all-inclusive holiday is a really varied really healthy diet plus you know what's it called breakfast dessert you know it's like because <laughs> yeah. um, it's there and, and yeah you have it yeah, on that what we yeah. got to that you but know, it's like, not like oh my goodness these are foods i can never eat i'm going to absolutely binge on alcohol bingo you know i'm never i'm not going to eat a single vegetable the whole of holiday yeah. like it's just yeah i might be in a calorie surplus the other thing is if you rock into that having dieted you you know the uh, it's basically classical super compensation theory of carbohydrates. You basically carbo load on holidays. Yeah. So yeah, some huge. of that, some of those extra calories don't go anywhere. They just go into your muscles. And so you become mm. carbo loaded. Mm. Um, so <laughs> carbo loaded. Yeah. yeah, you can go and run but a marathon. I, I think that's it. I think you touched on it a little bit before. It's when you just have those only extrinsic goals of a holiday mm. and you aggressively diet or you do something for that holiday, 
when you get there because you've done it from such a place of I just need to look good on, on that, mm. the, that that holiday then you massively binge massively over eat over drink mm. and then you kind of get back into that place of like self-hate after the holiday versus if you do it from more of an intrinsic reason why it's like yeah well I would maybe like to look a little bit better too and you can still have that healthier moderation when you're away you mm. you do get to basically have your cake and eat it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so true yeah. But so if um just go back to the question around whether you've got a lot to lose or a little to lose yeah, sure. if you have a lot to lose is this something you would recommend to achieve that long-term say 70 pound goal and how would you tackle that and what are the implications mm. if it's a woman like on hormones and cycles yeah. yeah good question so um one of the best studies on this followed i believe perimenopausal women and um, they've, they're now into their third year of follow-up. And they've been doing some cool stuff around bone mineral density year on year. And that's one of the only... Um, <clears throat> so they've looked at percentage of individuals or moderate versus these very extreme calorie deficits um, who are able to maintain these clinically meaningful levels of weight loss that are improving their health and improving lots of different outcomes. And one of the only negative impacts that they've seen is in the... Uh, a very low energy diet is slightly reduced um, bone mineral densities. The, th the other thing in this study is they are not doing things that promote bone mineral density, which you guys <laughs> obviously would be telling people to do. It's like the, the impactful exercise, the stuff that um, cause osteoblastic activity in, in their uh, ends of their bones. So doing those, doing that activity, doing some of these sort of impact stuff um, and eating protein, you know, to a, a higher level than just like the absolute minimum. Um, and, so one of the important things with regards to over the long term in a female, so some people will use this as, a, you know, they might need to lose weight for fertility reasons. And then it's a case of, well, actually, being on an aggressive diet is not good for fertility in the short term, but actually using it as part of a... Um, a the, the Brucey bonus answer to your question is multiphasic dieting. This 70-pound goal that you keep talking about is split it into phases seasons whatever mm. yeah and looking at okay we can put some one to four week periods within this where we might go to this calorie deficit the thing to bear in mind here is if we just go one pound a week for 70 weeks which is potentially unrealistic but maybe if it's two pounds and then it goes down to half a pound by the end we can average it at one you got 70 weeks how long is that going to take like mr ab we're talking 385 days 125 kilograms so we're talking like um, 250, uh, five, 20, like four like, times slower. Yeah. 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 It's unbelievable. So, yeah. um, this scenario of, well, am I going to be nutrient deficient? Well, if you're dieting for 70 weeks, it's like you, you're still, you still have to remove that amount of energy from your diet. We, we, ca we have ways of putting it back in. And if you have diet breaks, you have uh, periods of lower uh, deficit moderate deficit and these maybe faster periods where, where you can dig in again using your life as like where have you got low stress a moving house we're not going to do something <laughs> of high stress i'm you know whatever like planning our wedding like yeah high stress like use those periods it's like i've got a period where work is not too busy you know whatever in my life is making these things good i'm going to do this for these few weeks um and uh, it's not going to damage someone. I suppose this is an important thing to say is unless it's taking someone into an unhealthy body fat range, so very low body fat, it's 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 highly unlikely that it's going to have these, um, you're going to lose your period because, um, because you didn't eat enough. Like you might, um, you know, changes in lots of different things, stress and energy intake and stuff can um, cause, you know, one month of missed period but it's not going to cause you to, to become amenorrheic unless your body fat goes too low. So, um, you know, if it's someone who's wanting to lose 70 pounds because they want to try and conceive, it's like the way you do that is not uh, really the big issue. It's more where we end up. We're going to end up, we put calories back in at the end mm -hmm. um, so that they're back at maintenance and, and we have lots of sex and we might get a baby. And, and if there's other stuff that we're talking about with regards to maybe PCOS is there or whatever, um, <clears throat> we can, there's certain supplements we can take that can help with fertility. But with regards to the aggressive deficit, it's, you can use it. And that, you know, there have been people who have used it just start to finish of the 70 pounds. 
Um, it's going back to that it depends yeah. thing. So, uh, it, and it's just important that, you know, by using that, for instance, that sort of rough equation that I've given there of like, this is roughly what you can expect of your weight loss is coming from body fat. So if they are maybe... 45% body fat, which is a very normal level of body fat for a, for a female um, uh, who has some excess body fat. It's not, some people go like 45%, that's crazy. It's like, it's not really like an average female might be like 30% body fat. So someone who has, you know, over time gained some body fat, 45% is not crazy. So you talk about that person being, being able to lose 3% of their body weight and that whole 3% all coming from body fat. So then you go, well, that what person weighs let's say 100 kilograms for easy maths, you're going, they can lose 6.6 .6 pounds of fat, pure fat a week. And it'll all come from fat. All of that weight loss is fat. And then you do, this is when you do see people losing like 10 pounds a week. Mm -hmm. It's 6.6 .6 pounds of fat and 3.4 pounds of water. Um, but, you know, the, I'm, I'm discussing scenarios in it without the whole context of yeah, the whole person or the whole diet. Yeah. This is the mathematical thing. It's, but it is possible. Mm -hmm. You know, people go, you can't, you know, you've probably only lost one pound of fat, nine pounds of water. It's like, no, you haven't. When you know the maths, when you know the research, when you, when you actually understand stuff and you're not just some idiot on the internet, personal trainer, Instagram influencer, just saying what you think instead of actual science we can go, that is actually possible. Now, can someone lose 6.6 .6 pounds of fat? Because then you start converting that into um, the mass of it. That's like um, 23,500 calorie deficit over a week. Like, that's a lot It is of calories if, you, to if you are a, a big person and you've, you've got a high BMR and, you do, and, you know, yeah. and you're already doing some yeah. steps, you'll burn more calories yeah. off even just moving. Yeah, so, you know, it it's, can happen. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Just a quick ask. If you are enjoying this podcast, we do ask if you would go and hit that subscribe button because... Our goal is to be able to help all of you guys become body smart. And the way we can do that is by getting better guests on, more experts, and the bigger this podcast gets, the more guests we can get on here. So it's cool. And I think it's exciting for people to realize there's more than one way. Um, they they need to lean into it carefully and just and be honest with themselves. I've done several podcasts around this, which I always encourage people, go and listen to all of these before you try undertaking this. I think when I when I was giving out my calculator, I said, I sort of linked to these, you have to listen to these five podcasts. They're only short, but it's just like ways to think before starting, you know, an aggressive calorie deficit. Mm -hmm. um, and because it is just important, like you, you know, the whole unconditional permission to eat thing. I find people go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know I can eat any food I want. And it's a bit like, you can't just say it. Like, you truly need to mean that. It's like, uh, you know, your partner goes, oh, do you love me? And you're like, yeah, yeah. But say it, I love you. No, say it like you mean it. Like, oh, I love you. <laughs> and it's like, no, I, oh, yeah, I know I can have a donut. I'm just, it's like, do you? Do you really? Like, yeah. if you want a donut, are you truly going to let yourself have a donut? And, and once you get to the point where, like, I'll be aggressive dieting and there'll be certain foods where I'm like, I know I don't feel great if I choose that over this. I feel a bit more hungry. But I'm like, I really freaking want it. So I just do it and I have it. And I either then reduce my 2000 calorie deficit to 15. Mm. That's the other thing as well, just to say this. I'll sometimes get to 7 p.m. and I've only had 600 calories. And so then I've got like two to 600 more to have. But let's say I'm really, really hungry. And I go, do you know what? I'm going to have two meals for dinner. I go up to 1800 calories. And I'm still in a deficit and I've eaten a double dinner. Yeah. But I didn't go, I'll have two galaxy bars because instantly there it's like, boom, just the world's ended. <laughs> Whereas if I go, I'm going to have these meals that I eat that normally I just am fine with. I'm going to eat just two of them back to back. Oh, I feel really satiated. I'm going to yeah. go and lie down and go to sleep. Fantastic. Like there's a, the, the, the area of intermittent fasting was a big paradigm shift for me. Coming from a background of bodybuilding, you have to eat six times a day. <laughs> You can only eat these foods like oh, horrendous, killed my relationship with food. Um, coming from the thing of you don't lose muscle if you don't eat every three hours. It just doesn't happen like that. Um, understanding that really total daily protein is the key, the only factor, bar some resistance training, that you needed to ensure and you could eat in any meal frequency and lose weight. I then started fasting until 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m. And when you're on lower calories, like... I'm sure you guys have seen it. Like loads of clients can just go, oh, I'm going to skip breakfast. And they were like, breakfast is the most important meal of the day. As soon as they have breakfast, then they're like, I'm hungry again. Whereas if they just 
have a coffee or have a, you know, my thing is I just have a can of monster, um, white monster. And then, um, and then just I'm working and I'm busy. Yeah. I'm not hungry when I'm busy. I'm working, I'm, I'm distracted. But then in the evening, when I'm just sat down, I've got more time, I'm hungry. Cool. It's now, you know, three, four, five p.m. and you have your first meal. And now between then and bedtime, you can eat all of your calories, whether you've got 800, 1,000, 1,200, 1,500, 1,800, like loads of people are dieting on 1,600 calories. Like, cool, you can eat all of those 1,600 in like from 3 p.m. till 8 p.m. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, and then you feel satiated during that time and it, you go to bed rather than, oh, I'm going to bed really starving, hungry, I can't sleep, I'm just lying. Because here. you've spread your meals out for all the Because you've spread yeah, the yeah. meals out. Like, it's just, that was a life-giving revelation to me, the intermittent fasting. And, and again, it's been taken too far. Mm -hmm. People have ruined it. People are saying, like, you live forever if you do this. It's the only way to lose fat. Autophagy, like, all these yeah, fancy yeah. words. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's just more tools for people to use that they can go, oh, I don't have to, like, carry around Tupperware. Like, how many of mm -hmm. your clients have you told them to, like, carry around Tupperware? And to, like, just the... Yeah. Wouldn't want to work with you. Yeah, um, probably not. But some people love it. I get it. Like, and that's, I'm not shaming anyone mm. who's like obsessed with that. Uh, but I think the cool thing with it is, as you keep saying, it depends. But there's also like research to show if mm. you want to do this this way, cool. If you want to do it this way, cool. And if you've got something that works for you, great. And if you don't find something else, it's not one way or the highway, mm. which is really empowering. Yeah. So yeah. if you have tried something and it hasn't worked, you're not broken. Yes. You just need to find the, the thing. Yeah. And, and th thanks for using that word broken because it's just made me remember there is a, um, a mantra out there in some of this kind of body positivity circles, some of the anti-diet circles, some of the health at every side circles that have come to shaming people for wanting to lose weight and change their bodies which is just absolute crap. Like we shouldn't shame people for, for being any body size, but it has literally become a circle of shaming people for just wanting. Like I, we, we, we've had MNU students who have wanted to change their health. Uh, they're in, in bigger, larger bodies and they're part of these groups and they literally express that they want to lose weight and they've literally been shamed and kicked out of the group. But, and it's like that, like... Yeah. That is just as bad as people shaming people for being a, another way. So there's this mantra that uh, the whole you're damaging your body, you weight cycling will lead to this thing of like you're damaged, you can't lose weight. And again, the evidence is not there on that. That if and and I'm saying that because again, you use the word empowering, and I flipping love that word of. It's so empowering to be told you're not broken. Like your weight cycling history has not broken you. Actually, this whole thing of metabolic adaptation, when you lose weight, um, and this, unfortunately, prevention is so much better than cure. But when we start at our body weight of what, let's say when we're 21, if we do let our body weight track up, if my thumb here is like the amount of energy that you expend at this body weight, when you increase body weight, your metabolism goes up. So some people go, oh, I'm heavy, I've got slow metabolism. And the research doesn't no. support that. You've got a faster metabolism. Yeah. But when you lose weight, this happens, and it's really unfortunate. You go back to that same weight, but your metabolic rate is slower. And that's typically mostly from NEAT. But we can kind of affect NEAT because we can just count some steps <laughs> and add some steps in. So that can be helpful. But it is sucky that we might have to live on slightly lower calories here. Um... But, but then let's say you've, you, you've gone back up, wait, that happens, that gap closes. People seem to think that uh, this is what broken would look like. You gain the weight, it comes back down here, then you regain that weight and you're still screwed. You're not, it, it goes back to where it was. So it's unfortunate if you ever wanna get back to there, that's gonna keep happening and you have to put in new habits and new lifestyle things and maybe eat in a change your environment so that you're not being bombarded with foods that you just really wanna eat and you, be a bit more active and choose those things. but And you can live back here, but it is unfortunate. That's the, we all get dealt those cards and it does suck and I get it, but you're not broken. So if you're back there, you can most certainly, you know, get, and, and sometimes the a new thing that I'm saying more and more is uh, within the within the sort of body image research, so you have to use like goal weight, dream weight, and ideal weight. So So there's lots of these different factors. And, and within dieting, there's certain things of like um, 
is it better with goal setting to, to set someone a realistic weight versus uh, what might be their dream weight? Because And the, the differences between mm. someone's dream weight and what's clinically ideal and whatever are like vastly yeah. different. Recently and actually up. it doesn't seem to... Uh, it doesn't seem to impact whether people got that someone just like a ridiculous over, you're never going to achieve that. They, it doesn't actually seem to affect the, the outcome of, uh, in these studies. So, which might be because someone's got these crazy goals and they just try harder, whatever initially, but they're going to fail um, at some point versus someone who's got this more moderate goal. But anyway, so yeah, within, w- within that thing of um, uh, how we go around this stuff, um, of if I'm going to always try and push myself to here and the my body fighting back against me, the hunger, the lack of activity, maybe the lowered libido, maybe that's not where you're going to live. Maybe you can find some solace here. You feel a bit better. You've got good habits. You're feeling a bit more confident. Your body's moving well. Uh, you're not too hungry all the time. You can still be sociable. Live there. Have a great life have lots of sex, do whatever, like, cool. That, like, that's really the goal people are looking for. It's, like, not a number on the scales. Yeah. Because it doesn't equate to happiness or, or necessarily those things. So, yeah, just to kind of say about they're not broken, and that was the, the thing that you'd led me to say, but, yeah. Very comprehensive answer, <laughs> as always. Thank you, Martin. Yeah, um, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in today, and we've covered a variety mm. of subjects, mm. so thanks. Yes, I really enjoyed it. Thank um, you. And I know your podcast also goes into multiple tangents, so where can people find you if they want to hear more of your research and what you've got to share? Mm, yeah, so my podcast is Not Another Nutrition Podcast. It's kind of aptly named because, yeah, I do... I like to discuss all sorts of different things I talk about, like wisdom episodes... Uh, and as we've kind of touched on today nicely, it's like there's not just like the hardcore science stuff. There's there's other areas that are important to kind of look at. So I do cover all sorts of those things. And then um, I guess the other areas are just my my Instagram is where I spend far too much of my time. Uh, so Martin Nutrition, people can kind of search me on all of the different uh, platforms. And then obviously Matt Nutrition Uni, if if people are interested in um getting qualified to, to work in this area that's uh that's the other place where most of my work is here yeah. fantastic cool. well thank you for making the trip up to Liverpool no, to yeah. see us yeah, it's been great. Yeah, yeah thank you very much if you've been listening to the body smart podcast you will know we work with women on a one-to-one basis now our goal is for you to become a body smart graduate and that means we help you hit your weight loss goal but most importantly we help you develop the skills habits and traits to make a sustainable change so you never gain that weight back If you're interested and you're ready, willing, and able, we can guarantee that we will get you results. You can find out more at the link in the description.